Welcome back, everyone, to episode two of Basement Ballin'. This is Dakota from the Future Speaking coming in to let you know that this episode two is a continuation of our episode one focused on the city of Houston. This episode will be piloted by Nick Bizanet and will take you through the reconstruction and rebuilding as well as the contention of these Houston Rockets. One thing to note is that, as of recording this, the Houston Rockets have released DeMarcus Cousins, who played a part in both the contending and rebuilding plans that Nick had crafted. Unfortunately, we had to delay this episode by a week due to the inclement weather in North Texas, and now that we're back on track, I decided we should post this episode anyway. So, without further ado, I'll throw it over to my buddy Nick. Dakota just rebuilt the Houston Texans. Believable or not, he rebuilt them to the quote-unquote Super Bowl. We can debate the merits of that. Now it's my time to take over the other, call it the other problem team in the city of Houston. That's the Rockets. Rockets are in what I would call one of the most interesting spots in all of professional sports. You just dealt your two superstars. Mm -hmm. You have a first-year head coach, a guy who's been an assistant for 20 years. He gets his first head coaching job. In the middle of a pandemic, with his one superstar traded, with his other superstar basically demanding a trade and getting fat. Call it warm-up shirts or not, <laughs> James Harden basically just defied the franchise. You dealt your franchise player, and you're left with whatever you have here. So, I'm going to lay out two plans. One is the, let's tear it down, let's rebuild it. And the other is the, damn, we have something here, let's try and make it work. So, we'll start off with rebuilding the Houston Rockets. And first and foremost, you gotta, it's, it's operation clear out the ro- clear out parts of the roster. Now, realistically, you're not trading John Wall. Mm. John Wall makes $41 million this year, $45 million next year, and has a $48 million player option in year three. Nobody's taking that except for the Houston Rockets, who apparently thought it was a great trade. But that's a different issue. The first move I'm making when I take over the Houston Rockets, we're trading off some of the veterans, starting first with P.J. Tucker. P.J. Tucker is essentially the holdover from the Mike D'Antoni, Daryl Morey era. He's a 6'7 center that played pretty well, but doesn't really translate to the Steven Silas system. P.J. Tucker's got one year left. Mm. $8 million is a free agent as after the year. Hot commodity. Pretty much every team in the league is going to be after him at the deadline. They'll be able to get a premium. And I compare his market kind of to the Morris twins. The Knicks were able to get a first-round pick last year for a Morris. The Morris has kind of bounced around the league, Markeith and, Mor- and Marcus. I think his market's similar. The first mm-hmm. thing I'm doing is I'm moving P.J. Tucker to, I mean, there's a list of teams. The Sixers, Scott, I know. P.J. Tucker to the Sixers was rumored before James Harden was traded. I think P.J. Tucker's a great fit in Philly. He's a great uh, great fit for either of the L.A. teams. The Heat, the I Celtics, agree. the Warriors, the Bucks. Name your contender. I mean, the Warriors was kind of if they want to make another jump. But name your top five team in each conference. They'll be in on P.J. Tucker. The rumored package right now is three second-round picks, which is it's an interesting ask. Or That's a, a steal pretty heavily protected first round pick i think if you're the houston rockets and you're really trying to rebuild getting a protected first round pick for pj tucker shouldn't be that hard should be pretty valuable you add to the bunch of draft picks you got in the hardened trade you add to the first round pick you got for covington you add to the first round pick that you got from the wizards to take on john wall i think trading pj tucker is first and foremost he doesn't want to be there similar to sean watson not in the same same level but he doesn't want to be there mm-hmm. he's made it very clear he doesn't like 
the post-Harden era. P.J. Tucker, for a protected first-round pick, is the first move I'm making. Pick your contender. Somebody will pay for him. And I think he's a great fit outside of Houston. He doesn't fit the, the current Houston roster, especially mm. at 6'7", playing center, when they're a run-and-gun team with John Wall at the helm. Thoughts on that? One thing I want to ask is, do you know what his contract situation is? So P.J. Tucker's got... The rest of this year, he's on an expiring deal, $8 million, free agent at the end of the year. So you're basically getting an expire, mm-hmm. which makes him more valuable, actually. That's what I thought, but I didn't want to say it until I had it confirmed. I think that adds value to him, and I think you can get that protected first for sure. I feel like trading him for only seconds would that's, kind of that's be a my waste. <laughs> that's my thought. Second round picks in the NBA just don't have value. Every once in a while, you can get a good player for them, but they are the... They're the pennies. It, of yeah, the it's NBA. hard. It's hard to hit on them. The Rockets aren't a couple solid contributors no. away. The Rockets are a couple superstars and three solid contributors away. Let's be real. Getting that first to where you're able to, even with a protected first, get another lottery pick to just throw in the hat is exactly the kind of thing I would do if I was in charge of the Rockets, and I could not be more on board with that trade, Nick. All right. So then we got. Unless Scott, you have anything else? There's a couple more trades I would do in the rebuilding thing. I have a point to make, but I'll I'll make it kind of at the end of just the whole selling because I think it's a I think it's just a, a major overarching point with the Rockets that they're yeah, just so going to have issues with. I'll touch. On I do that have later. one more thing yeah, too, Nick, that I just thought of. I would also be looking if I was the Rockets to take back a player with some salary and just say screw it. Don't for the worry, next that, comes years. that comes up. That comes up. That comes up soon. Ooh, I love a little foreshadowing. I say we just go with yeah, that. Yeah, so, so actually, unlike Dakota, let, let me run through the whole plan, and you guys d- dissect point by point, or you guys at the end dissect point by point. I think taking the whole plan as one works a lot better, especially in the rebuild scenario. So, got it. Along with okay. trading P.J. Tucker, I think the Rockets got to move Eric Gordon. That Eric Gordon contract is a flop. He just signed a four-year deal. It's mm-hmm. about $18 million per, and Eric Gordon does not fit any sort of rebuilding timeline, any stretch of the imagination. I get it. He's a good player. He's a veteran, but he just does not fit the Rockets. And from what I've read, Eric Gordon's got a lot more value outside of Houston than he does yeah, on the Rockets. One package I saw was Dakota, your Dallas mm. Dallas Mavericks. Something along the lines of Dwight Ooh. Powell, Dorian Finney-Smith, and a pick. The one I like the most is Miami. Send him to the Heat. He can come off their bench mm. and just be a shooter, kind of in the vein of a more veteran Duncan Robinson, especially if Duncan Robinson's going to leave in free agency. I think you can send him to the Heat for a package mm. of Kendrick Nunn, I mean, Iguodala's salary, Iguodala's making $15 million, so you have to include him, and maybe a heavily protected first or a second or two. And I think getting a guy like Kendrick Nunn back from Miami, he's a young player. Miami's probably not bringing him back. You get a young guy. Basically, you're taking a flyer on a dude who's shown he can score in the NBA. Let him get some minutes behind John Wall and the gang. Let's see if Kendrick Nunn can shine in the NBA. So that would be trading Eric Gordon. Okay. The next one is... The big one, which is kind of where the two plans I have pivot. Do you move mm-hmm. Victor Oladipo? And I say in the rebuilding scenario, you have to because it's been yes. became pretty clear that Victor Oladipo has one destination in mind. He didn't sign an extension in Indiana. They offer him mm-hmm. $20 million a year coming off an injury. It's pretty clear he wants to go to Miami. He's boys with Jimmy Butler. He kind of fits the Heat culture too. 
He's a defensive guard. So I think with that in mind, the Rockets got to try and move him. The trade restriction on Victor Oladipo expires three weeks before the deadline. So you'll have three weeks really to fully negotiate a trade. Nick, you're also not understanding what's going on if you think they're not going to have that trade facilitated. Oh, I know, but the three-week period period is kind of the, (laughs) you can deal them before the deadline. So you can either get a little more value or you can wait Mm. till literally up until the deadline. Basically, they'll have three weeks where they can trade because there's a 40... 45-day period between when a guy gets traded, they can get moved again. My point is they would have that worked for out sure, way for sure. in advance. But the possible Oladipo locations, obviously I said Miami. An interesting one that's come up for some very odd reason mm. very recently is everyone's favorite tabloid team, New York Knicks. Apparently apparently very interested Ooh. in Victor Oladipo because the Knicks believe they are a um, couple players away. I, I don't know. It's the Knicks. The Knicks always think they're a couple players away. Is Jeremy Lin a superstar hey, don't, yet? Don't diss G League All Star Jeremy Lin. God, <laughs> the Knicks this year are not the Knicks. They're though. no, they're a, they're a better bit team. Better, but to from what the the reported package, they are the reported, still the New York reported packages they that they were willing Square to throw Garden. for Victor Oladipo. One of them I saw from a New York Knicks, New York Knicks like blog was Dennis Smith Jr., Obi Toppin, and a first round pick. <laughs> <laughs> like, that seemed far-fetched. The other one was a, another Mavericks trade. Some package revolving around Tyrell Terry, James Johnson's salary, and a, and a first-round mm. pick, which I think makes a lot more sense than the Knicks. The Mavericks can't even trade a first-round pick for, like, Yeah, but, like, years. if you're the Rockets, you'll take any pick you can get. And I think Tyrell Terry, I think the Mavericks one is a lot more realistic than whatever this Knicks idea is. I think the Knicks would be something around Dennis mm-hmm. Smith Jr. and Kevin Knox, and then maybe a salary filler in there. But I think a move to a team like Dallas, a team mm-hmm. looking for a star player, whether you think Oldie was a star or not, to put him and his defense next to Luka mm-hmm. and next to Porzingis makes a lot of sense. Whether he re-signs in Dallas is a whole different issue. But if you're Houston, I think getting mm-hmm. a guy like Tyrell Terry, a young backup point guard, of which they don't have any backup point guards because they trade for Dante Axum, who's hurt, and a free agent at the end of the year. I think moving Old Depot to a team like mm-hmm. Dallas, obviously there's other locations. Miami wants to get a you know a leg up on them. But mm-hmm. obviously I think moving Old Depot kind of is your big ticket. That's where you're going to get the most value. It's where you're going to get the most assets. Mm-hmm. And if you can move Old Depot and get a better package or a more fair package and you got in the James Harden trade, I think you're doing well, especially if you get a first-round pick for Tucker. You get some young assets for Eric Gordon. You get a first-round pick and young players for Oladipo. That's three trades. You've added three draft picks, a couple young assets, and more importantly, you've cleared up roster spaces to bring in young players. Mm -hmm. And you're just ready to roll at that point. So... Beyond the trades, the next step going in the free uh, going in the off season, I'm looking kind of what you did with the Texans or with the Texans, but the different side of it. I'm looking to get guys who young players who had kind of down years. I'm looking at a guy like a Justice Winslow from the Grizzlies. I'm looking at if you can't get him in a trade, a Kendrick Nunn. He's a restricted free agent, but I think you can offer sheet him to the point where Miami won't match. I think going after these young guys, like kind of like what the Pistons did with Josh Jackson, where Josh Jackson's kind of coming off their bench, he's having a little bit of a like a bounce back season. I think the Rockets are in the rebuild position mm-hmm. where it's like, all right, let's go get some young talent. Let's just let them play. Give them a one-year deal with a one-year team option. Let's let these guys play. Let's see these guys ball. In mm-hmm. worst case scenario, they're not good. You let them go at the end of the year. Why not take a couple flyers? I think that's got to be the the idea for the next year or two. Okay. So my question on that would be, if you're willing to make that kind of move in free agency, why would you not be willing to take a bet on a guy that like Dennis Smith Jr. from that Knicks trade? Why was that 
not as good to you if that would kind of accomplish that goal as well when you're able to grab somebody with just an infinite amount of physical gifts in Dennis Smith Jr. that hasn't worked out. And quite honestly, you know, he probably won't. But I'd say he has the ability to, you know, if he's ever able to figure things out, instead of being a solid player, yeah, be I think a great more of, player. More of my idea was that the Knicks trade might not be realistic getting a bunch of young guys. But yeah, Dennis Smith Jr. would absolutely be someone I target. Same with a guy like Alfred Payton. Same team. Alfred Payton's a little older. He's like 26. But mm. just guys with upside that, you know, worst case scenario, they don't pan out. But hey, you gave them a shot. Like, why not give guys a shot? Maybe a marketing. Yeah, marketing is going to be a little too much money. So I would say probably not marketing, but just guys like you don't even really need starters. You're kind of locked into John Wall and Christian Wood. So just getting guys to kind of fill around mm-hmm. them. Especially if you're rebuilding, you don't need to be great. You just got to be entertaining but bad. So, I think getting guys like young guys with some upside, just let them run, give them 15, 20 minutes a game, see if you can get one guy, one lottery ticket. You just need one of those couple guys you sign, and they have a bunch of mid-level exceptions. I believe they have, yeah, they'll have a nine million dollar non-taxpayer exception, and they'll have a three point seven million dollar biannual exception, in which they're going to be able to sign guys over the cap. So they'll have some money. They'll have ways to get some young talent. I think that's part of your offseason plan. Bring in some young players. Let's let them roll. Let's see what we got. And then on top of that, mm-hmm. I think I think you got to re-sign DeMarcus Cousins. DeMarcus, he's on a $1 million deal this Ooh. year. He's on a $1 million, $1 million a year deal this year. It's a free agent at the end of the year. He hasn't looked bad. And it's the same thing of you know, why not take a shot on DeMarcus Cousins? If he liked it in Houston, he wants to be there. Why not take the shot? Especially if you can get him for like oh, $5 million, $6 million. I, I re-signed DeMarcus Cousins. Let him stay in that that's basically the six-man role and, and see what you got. Mm-hmm. And then... I think that's an yeah, interesting I think, take. I mean, he's played pretty well in Houston this year. I think he's worth another look. Because if he goes back to anything near old DeMarcus Cousins, you have a, you have a bona fide, solid starting center or a really good backup. So then for mm-hmm. to kind of close out the offseason, right? You got to use those you have a bunch of draft picks. They're going to be either end of the lottery or right outside the lottery. You got to use those draft picks on high upside guys. A couple names, BJ Boston from Kentucky, Terrence Shannon from Texas Tech, and mm-hmm. Cam Thomas from LSU. Cam Thomas is averaging 25 points a game at LSU. Why not take a shot on a guy like that? I think you look just for high upside talent. Bring in a guy like Cam Thomas. Bring in a guy like BJ Boston and let them grow under John Wall. Let them grow under Christian Wood. And let's see if you can get a couple rotation or maybe, you know, starting players out of your out of those draft picks you got. And then kind of Dakota, what you were mentioning, mm-hmm. taking contracts. The Rockets are somehow strapped with what is that, seven trade exceptions. They have a three million dollar trade exception they got from <laughs> the, the Hawks. They have they have two one point six million dollar trade exceptions. They have a two and a half million dollar trade exception. Mm-hmm. a $3.5 million trade exception, and a $10 million trade exception. So to your point, they're in a good position mm-hmm. to say, hey, so-and-so, and pick your team with a bad contract. We'll take on your bad contract under the exception, and maybe we'll take a couple seconds or an extra first and get some extra assets. Mm-hmm. Just increase the chance in the lottery. Yeah, and so you know? the rebuild model, to me, kind of resembles what the Atlanta Hawks went through. They had those scenes with Al Horford, Jeff Teague, Josh Smith, Joe Johnson. They were pretty good. Big three all-star. Hey, I said so Joe. And then, you know, Joe Johnson gets traded. Al Horford leaves in free agency. Jeff Teague gets traded. 
Josh Smith moves on. They kind of float by the bottom. They get a Trey Young. They get a John Collins. They get a DeAndre Hunter. They get a Cam Reddish. Then they were able to use their money in free agency. They got a they got a uh, Danilo Gallinari. They got a Bogdanovich. And all of a sudden, the Hawks are a legitimate team. I think they modeled the rebuild kind of mm. off the Atlanta Hawks. I've kind of been listening, just looking at what Houston has. So a lot of their draft pick capital is going to fall in in that 20 to 30. Right? Yeah, which is kind of an issue. But again, that's where you're taking high upside flyers. But that's your problem is that they're just they're going to have they're going to need to hit on something that hits maybe once or twice a draft. And they're going to have to do it three or four times in a five year span because in just in this league, you need superstars. You can't be a really successful franchise without it. You can maybe get a five seed if you're really if you have a really good season, maybe a four seed, but you're not winning a title. And if you're not trying to win a title, what's the point? Yeah, very fair. If the goal is not to find a superstar, if it's not to pick in that top five as often as you can, just to give yourself as many lottery chips as you can, it just makes it so much harder. Yeah, and that's the big issue with the Rockets. They don't have many desirable assets unless they decide to move Christian Wood, which would be very foolish. Mm -hmm. Coming up with the rebuilding plan for the Rockets is kind of rough. They're in a very weird spot, like I said. Right now, Mm -hmm. they, as of this recording, depending on what happens in tonight's game, they're the 10 seed, meaning they're in the play-in games. They're in the playoffs. So that becomes another issue. Am I correct in saying that they own their draft picks going forward? I believe their pick this year is... swap with the net no they don't i don't think they own their own pick this year they might even in the future just because you're assuming if you're in a rebuilding mode you're assuming that you're gonna get into that first half of the lottery yeah so they they do they do own their first round pick they do own their first round pick this year right they get a swap with the nets but only if the nets are worse yeah they yeah they own their first and they own the blazers which they're not going they own their pick and the blazers pick. and the blazers pick the blazers are going to be Either in that back half of the lottery, or they're going to. But the the issue with that Blazers pick is it's lottery protected, so the the hits just keep on coming. Mm. It's going to be so hard for them right now to get a superstar. What they're going to have to do is they're going to have to hit on one of those lottery picks. And then they're going to have to deal all those assets that they got in the trades. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise, they're just not going to be able to get enough star power to get to where they need to be. Because Which is why I've been saying that 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 Harden trade they I think they royally messed up the Harden trade, which is kind of the the setup for the fact that this is going to be a very difficult rebuild. Are you going to tell me that they should have just done the deal with the Sixers and got they should have just done the deal with the Sixers and got Ben Simmons? Correct. <laughs> because thank you. Because they just they like to hear that they they had they had the one piece that was great. They could have had Karis Levert. He's on a great contract. Mm-hmm. You pair. Three years of Karis LeVert at around $14 million, with three years of mm-hmm. Christian Wood at $15 million, and three years of John Wall, which you're not going to trade. You at least have three guys who are talented that it can you can at least stay afloat. But you flipped Karis LeVert for Victor Oladipo, who wants to leave. It, it It's a rebuild that is going to take either—really, it's going to take a combination of strokes of luck and some really smart maneuvering, which— Mm-hmm. Again, very hard to do. There's The question is, just, do you trust the Houston management to do that? I mean... It's going to be a lot harder because they don't have Daryl Morey anymore. Yeah. Daryl Morey is just the smartest executive in the sport and has been at least for oh. the last 5-10 years. Yeah, and the issue in Houston also is they have a GM who's not very experienced, a coach who's not very uh-huh. experienced, and an owner who really wants to take over. So... Mm-hmm. 
They're in a... Ah, uh, yes, the Jerry Jones problem. <laughs> they're in a boatload of potential trouble in a rebuild, which is why the next, my mm. next plan, the, the non-rebuild plan... Is to hire is, Sam is, Hinkie. Before you get to your next plan, Nick, I do have a point. <laughs> I do have a point I want to make. I think that your rebuild plan was a little aggressive, like aggressive as in a shorter time frame than I think you're going to have to take. Oh, I, I, think, I think it's a multiple year thing. I think it's three years. That's exactly what I was going to say. Is you make it sound like under your plan, it's going to take three years and a lot of luck. For me, I honestly think that the more realistic rebuild plan for the Rockets is a five-year plan where you take shots for picks that are farther out and you focus on getting really bad in the short term and then being able to support those players that you get by being really bad with those future far-out assets that aren't as valuable to teams right now. I agree. It's kind of like, so example, the Cavs trading first round picks for Kyle Court. When they had LeBron, they mm. traded their pick five years down the line for Kyle Court. It's exactly. yeah, like that. Yeah, I agree. My plan is kind of just, let's get assets. It's uh, like Scott would say, mm-hmm. it's Sam Hinkie-esque. Let's get some assets, whether it be... Gotta trust the process. Have to trust Whether it be process. any sort of picks, any sort of young assets, anything that has value that could maybe turn into something. Because the worst thing the Rockets can do is get all this stuff and just have it be that stuff with no value, with no future promise. Like the Harden trade, they got Rodney Karuks, who doesn't really have a bright future. They got Dante Exum, who's a free agent, who's not that great. They got Oladipo, who might not be there. Mm. All of a sudden, you trade your best player, and all you got was late 20s picks and pick swaps. So like they made the rebuild... Mm significantly harder on themselves so not an envious position but the rebuild is very hard and like like i agree with you it's it's three to five years probably best case scenario Mm. essentially look at what happened to the Cavs. they lost lebron and it's been kind of they traded Kyrie. they got something back for Kyrie at least they got the pick that turned into colin sexton but it's i love colin but it's been that kind of like progressive like really slow-ish uphill climb and now they're like kind of a legitimate team they're competitive every night. They're right now they're out of the playoffs, but they're at least competitive. You can see the vision. And then you get involved in a in a four team trade and you get your center of the future. Things like they gotta be involved mm. in four team trades. They gotta use trade exceptions. They gotta take on salary. But three to five years is probably the the okay, we really we did well scenario. Mm-hmm. I agree. I just think it's closer to the five than the three, and that was my yeah, only I don't, point. Yeah, there. I don't <laughs> I don't disagree with that. I just think, yeah, if you can hit some extreme luck, you can get it in three. You can mm. get it in three-ish years, but realistically, five years is the okay. We're a legitimate title. Like we're in the upper half of the conference contendership. Mm-hmm. You have to hit on a on a Giannis or a yeah. Jimmy. Butler yeah, you got to like hit someone late. They're not going to be bad enough to have a good enough chance to complete the three-year plan. To me. yeah, I think it's going to take five years. It's going to take a couple years for them to get bad enough to where they can begin the three-year plan. Yeah, the big issue is their best player is also probably their worst asset, which is which <laughs> is very rare because John Wall's contract, like I said, 41, 45, and a player option for forty-eight is is not going to be tradable without you attaching assets. And in the NBA, mm-hmm. you have to match salaries. So in order to in order to move John Wall, you're going to have to take back similar amount of salary. They're a mess. They're a mess. But I will say, I will take John Wall on a first-round pick over Russell Westbrook. We'll say that. Oh, yeah, I would too. So I'm in on that. 
So they did something right, and especially getting an extra first-round pick in that trade was good. But like I said, it's it's tough sledding for Houston if they want to bottom out. Mm-hmm. They're just in a tough spot because if you go the rebuild path, you forfeit. You're going to have to forfeit three or four seasons, bare minimum. And if if you go the opposite direction, which I'm sure you're going to you're going to lay out in a minute, they don't have enough current assets to make moves to get a superstar player, and they don't have one on the roster right now who can become the level that you They're need to. They're eerily keep. similar, not in contract situation, but eerily similar in wins to those Sixers teams. With Iguodala. Mm-hmm. Ben Squad Sixers, Spencer Hawes, Jody Meeks, those kind of guys. When they play well, they can get that eight spot, that seven spot, but they're not going to win, mm-hmm. which is NBA yeah. purgatory, which is the absolute worst case scenario. Like the Mavericks after their title. Yes. That bench squad team almost snuck its way to the, to the Eastern Conference it helped, Finals. It helped that. I love uh, that team. Derrick Rose started his... That uh, Derrick Rose... Yeah, started his decline, unfortunately. Winning that game six against Chicago may still be my favorite Sixers memory <laughs> at this point. And now it's low-key the Rockets' fate. <laughs> it's, now, it's kind of where the Rockets are at now, minus the Sixers having a 50 or a $40 million player. The Rockets just mm-hmm. have to commit to being awful. Agree. And they can't, but they have they to. They have to trade for Andrew Bynum. And then... Trust me, Scott, we both went through the Andrew Bynum experiment. As a Cavs fan, <laughs> I went through the Andrew Bynum experiment where he played zero games and specifically went to every practice and shot every every single ball he got in practice, and it was okay. That is a prime example of not getting good assets. That's a young player you could have got, but he didn't pan out. That's where the Rockets got to avoid, is getting really disgruntled assets. Andrew Bynum had a massive introductory press conference at the National Constitution Center, heard himself playing bowling, and never played a game for the And Sixers. then went to Cleveland and never played a, <laughs> Just and never played again for the game for Cleveland. <laughs> yeah. That's what the Rockets have to avoid. The, the Rockets can avoid that. They're clear. Okay, and... Could have just not made that deal and got, and still had Iguodala and Vucevic, who turned out to be an all-star, but Tony DeLeo was a great general manager. Fact. All right, so we went through the rebuild plan for the Rockets. The flip side of the Rockets' plan is the, you know what, we really can't fix this. There's no shot to rebuild. We highlighted all the issues in the in the rebuild thing. Let's let's go for it. And the Ooh. reason we go for it, right, before this recording, the Rockets, I believe, lost tonight, but had won seven of eight coming into tonight. They're 11 and 10. They're, the team is starting to gel. If you watch the Rockets play, you're starting to see the pieces all kind of work together. They've been competitive in pretty much a good majority of their games. For example, they six-point losses to Phoenix. Phoenix isn't the greatest team. Close losses to Indiana. Close loss to Portland. They beat Orlando. They've beaten Dallas. They beat Portland. They beat the Pelicans. So they're competitive in these games, and the team looks better. You kind of see a glimpse of like what this could be. So let's say you look at this team. You can't rebuild it because you can't trade John Wall. Let's go for it. First move in the go-for-it plan, you got to convince Victor Oladipo to stay. How, how mm-hmm. you do that is win, but... The other, the flip side of that is if you can't convince Victor Oladipo to stay, there's a very good way to work out a sign and trade. We've seen it happen. Look at Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant with the Warriors. Kevin Durant got mm-hmm. traded to the Nets in the sign and trade that got them D'Lo. So like, there's kind of your mold. You can get if you can get a D'Angelo type, a D'Angelo Russell type player, but they have bird rights on Oladipo, so they can give him essentially what he wants. And if a team like let's say Miami, mm-hmm. the Miami Heat, as we mentioned before. They don't have the cap space, but they could do something along the lines of Victor Oladipo signs a deal with Houston, call it four years, $100 million, and then they flip them to Miami 
And maybe the maybe the flip to Miami is you get a Duncan Robinson back. Maybe Miami signs Duncan Robinson on the bird rights. You get a Duncan Robinson and some draft picks. Maybe, and I doubt this will happen, maybe you convince them to give you Tyler Hero. Maybe, <laughs> maybe the contender part of it, Oladipo, throw in some, some of the draft picks. Maybe it's Tyler Hero. But if you can't convince Oladipo to stay, you keep tabs on Oladipo, use your bird rights, and sign Oladipo and flip him to a, to the team he wants to go to. And that way you don't lose Oladipo for nothing. You at least get something for him if he's going to leave. And you can stay competitive. Part mm-hmm. of what you're trying to do here. The other part of mm-hmm. that is we talked about P.J. Tucker. Can you make P.J. Tucker happy? Sure. Is it worth it? Probably not. So in the vein, part of so, sort of in the vein of the rebuild part of it, but... I would pursue, if you can't keep P.J. Tucker, talk to Golden State, and let's see if you can get a P.J. Tucker-Kelly Oubre swap going. Kelly Oubre clearly hasn't fit in Golden Mm. State. He's been, let's be honest, pretty awful. And I'd assume if Golden State can get an asset to help them win, like a P.J. Tucker, and a P.J. Tucker who would probably be willing to stay in Golden State, gets to play with Draymond. Draymond and P.J. Tucker could be a hell of a bruising front court. I think if you could do something along the lines of P.J. Tucker, maybe you have to throw in a pick. Maybe there's some other parts of that trade. Maybe it's a three-team deal. But if you can work a P.J. Tucker-Kelly Oubre swap and you can kind of buy low on Kelly Oubre, all of a sudden you insert Kelly Oubre into a lineup with, over this case, we'll say Oladipo still there. You can plug him in. You got John Wall, Victor Oladipo, Kelly Oubre, Christian Wood, and whoever you want to plug into the four. All of a sudden, that's a pretty competitive team. Mm. Is it a is it a is it like a title competitive con- for the seven seed? Yeah, I would say is it a contender? Is it like a title contender? No, but does it at least show potential free agents and potential guys you want to trade for that you have something building? Absolutely. Okay, but who are you going after to push you up from a seven seed though? Like what free agent that, do you think that you comes? Can get? That's coming. That's coming. Don't worry. Okay. So similar to the, the first plan. I think re-signing DeMarcus Cousins is kind of a must in both. I think Cousins, again, even if he doesn't start, having DeMarcus Cousins come off comes off your bench, like that's a pretty damn good role player. And especially if you get him on a, on a mm. low money deal, I mean, that's a valuable asset no matter what situation you're in, competing or rebuilding. So I think you re-sign DeMarcus Cousins before the contract extension deadline, if possible. That way you show people that, uh, show potential free agents that, hey, DeMarcus Cousins is here. John Wall is here. John Wall looks good. Cousins is coming back. Christian Wood looks like a star. Hey, this is this is a competitive roster. In terms of adding other talent, mm-hmm. two names that I would go after. George Hill from Oklahoma City. Clearly, Oklahoma City is looking to rebuild. Sam Presti has how many draft picks? 40? 50? <laughs> I think All Sam Presti would be more than willing to take two second-round picks for George Hill. Veteran guy. They don't need him. He not that he doesn't want to be there. Having a little bit he of a resurgence. Not that he doesn't want to be there, but like he has no value there. They get George Hill to back up John Wall is a really smart move. And the other guy, uh, Kyle Anderson from the Grizzlies, good player, played really well in San Antonio. Has been kind of on and off in Memphis. He's a starter this year. He's averaging ten points. He's a great defensive player. I think you can get him on a kind of a low trade. You don't have to give up a ton. Maybe it's maybe it's a, a second round pick, maybe two second round picks. I think adding one or both of those guys gives you a really solid bench and gives you a chance also to re-sign these guys. I think George Hill would have no problem if the Rockets mm. show they were competitive in re-signing. I think Kyle Anderson, I believe Kyle Anderson has another year on the deal. If not, Kyle Anderson's the same situation. Why would Kyle Anderson not want to re-sign with a team that shows they're a contender? So that would be the kind of in-season mm-hmm. thing. Again, you brought up the point that that's probably a seven seed in the West. And and realistically, <laughs> an in-season deal to make them a title contender probably doesn't happen. The key to the contender part of the Rockets plan mm-hmm. 
is the offseason. I mentioned they have all those trade exceptions. $10 million, $3 million. That's $10 million player is a pretty valuable guy. You're going to be able to use that trade exception for something. But the other thing, the other thing they have, mm. like I said with Victor Oladipo, they have all the pick swaps. They have a boatload of extra picks. There's a couple guys in the league that have wanted out of their place, of their situations. John Collins in Atlanta, Zach Levine in Chicago. Mm-hmm. I think John Collins in Atlanta isn't going to be as big a price. I think you could pull off some sort of trade with the Atlanta Hawks centering around John Collins. And if you can get John Mm. Collins, whether it's a couple first round picks, maybe it's a couple of the guys you draft in this year's draft, along with maybe a Daniel House, maybe Daniel House, some pick swaps, use your exception to bring him in. Mm In a signing trade, hell, maybe it's a three-team trade where Oladipo goes somewhere. John Collins comes to Houston. All of a sudden, John Wall, John Collins, and Christian Wood is a pretty damn good trio. John Collins at 25 years old. All of a sudden, not only do you have your front court of the now, you have your front court of the future. They would be locked up, assuming you get John Collins on a four or five-year mm-hmm. deal. You'd have that front court locked up, and depending on how many picks you move, you still have those picks. You still bring in players. You have the exception to go out and get other talent. You have the um, the the free agency exceptions, like I mentioned, you have the uh, non-taxpayer mid-level exception that's mm-hmm. nine and a half million. That's a damn good bench player or two solid bench players. There's avenues where you can bring in talent. Zach Levine's the same deal. I would not be shocked if Chicago would be would look into a Levine for Oladipo swap. I wouldn't be surprised if Chicago, they're rebuilding, would look at it and say, if we can get Daniel House, maybe like a Jay Sean Tate or a Kenya Martin Jr. and two first-round picks for Zach Levine. Mm-hmm. In an offseason where they're going to look for extra assets, I don't see how a Zach Levine trade doesn't work. Now you're pairing John Wall, Zach Levine, and Christian mm-hmm. Wood. All of a sudden, again, now you have a really good backcourt, or yeah, you have a good backcourt, and things are working out. All right. Nick, correct me if I'm wrong, but the vibe I'm getting from your team building strategy for the Rockets is we just want to build a team that is just good from top to bottom. And you just want to build the most solid team that's ever been built. My only issue is you you can't get a super superstar. So I think the idea of getting one of those Mm -hmm. very, very good players, John Collins, Zach Levine, to combine with John Wall and hope that John Wall and DeMarcus Collins and all those guys and hope that they keep progressing and they're coming back and John Wall, maybe not John Wall of old. But John, like 85% of John Wall of old. If you can get that John Wall and you can get Mm -hmm. the Zach Levine we're seeing now, he's averaging close to 26 points a game, or the John Collins we've seen in Atlanta, who clearly doesn't want to be in Atlanta. He doesn't like Trey Young. I think the Rockets, again, there's ways where you can build a good starting five. And like you said, solid team throughout. I don't want to call it the Toronto Raptors because there's no Kawhi on this team, but the Toronto Raptors kind of, there's no Dirk, but that Dallas Mavericks championship team. I do think the most similar team to what you're building is that Toronto team. I was going to bring that up in that you just have to hope that John Wall can, you know, be Kawhi for a couple playoff series. And that's really the ceiling of your team is how much can John Wall turn it on. And that's just a scary proposition. Stress it enough. The rebuild plan is what they have to do. But if they want to continue the best chance they're going to have is to try mm. and find one of these young guys who's Laurie Markkinen would be one of those guys, but he's not in the same level as John Collins or Zach Levine. One of these guys who is going to price themselves mm. out of their market, but not necessarily price themselves out of Houston just because Houston needs players. So I think that's their real best case scenario. Mm. 
Again, if your best asset is John Wall at $41 million, you're not trading him for anything. And you're not trading you're not trading Christian Wood. And exactly. they're young players. There's not much. Ben Lacklemore is a free agent. He's not really young. Daniel House is 27. There's not many teams that are like, yes, Daniel House is the guy I need. You just got Ke- you got Kevin Porter Jr. Like I said, as a Cavs mm-hmm. fan, you know Kevin Porter Jr.'s upside. If Kevin Porter Jr. can get ahead on his shoulders, he has star potential. But it's a major, major if. Mm-hmm. I think the missing piece from that team is you don't have you, a guy you don't who have can be a your breakout potential guy. I agree. Yeah. I don't have I don't see anyone on that team as being able to become a star for a short period of time that in the same way The issue is that's Christian Wood. The problem is he's already there. So Okay. All like like <laughs> the issue or the thing with Siakam was he had Kawhi. So like he could rise up and it was like, oh, wow, where did he come from? Mm. Whereas Christian was like kind of the best player on the team. Scott, were you going to say something? Mm-hmm. It's just that whatever the Rockets do to try and contend, their best case scenario is the four or five seed that does not really have a chance. Just as a fan, I wouldn't see that as a viable strategy just because you have to go I, yeah, for I, a title. I agree, which is why I think the rebuild plan is where you got to go. But there's an avenue to be a top half of the Western Conference team, but it's probably not the most advantageous move. Mm-hmm. I think you can also make the argument that the go for it now mentality is actually better for them in the long run because if they go for it now without giving up their personal assets I think that's really the only way that they can actually build a team that's <laughs> so, bad so you enough want them to, to completely rebuild sabotage they think they're going for it and then it just goes exactly downhill. exactly because you have to take so many risks to go for it that it makes it much more likely that it could just fail yeah you know what like you're not wrong <laughs> you're not wrong yeah I mean <laughs> If just every one of your moves, your go for it yeah, moves I don't fails, disagree. that's best I case think, scenario. I think the three of us all agree. Rockets are kind of screwed. <laughs> They're kind of screwed. And this seven out of the last eight, seven out of the last nine <laughs> much. flash in the pan is definitely not an indication of what the team actually is. And again, just to, just to tie a bow on the whole mm-hmm. thing, outside of, and we didn't touch on the Astros because the Astros kind of, they are what they are. But Houston sports, man... I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Not envious. Good luck, Houston fans. Even when they're successful, they, they have <laughs> to have an asterisk. And that's just the, what they have to live with. It's not an ideal scenario in Houston because it can all come crashing down very quickly. And I think, Dakota, you and I kind of outlined how quickly you can fall. Seeing as your plan relied on Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. and my plan relied on getting a million dollars off a scratch-off ticket. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. What's more <laughs> likely? Well, all right, Scott, answer this question. Answer it honestly. Is it more likely the Houston Texans trade for Aaron Rodgers or that the Rockets with the 26th pick can find themselves a Giannis? <laughs> the Rockets oh, by a lot. But that's like saying the Rockets have a 5% chance where the Texans have a 0.1% chance. You think there's a 5% chance that the Rockets could find a Giannis with a late outside the lottery first round pick that i think five percent high but i think they have a shot you know what you're just too hopeful scott i was trying to make myself feel better (laughs) never i will never make you feel better about yourself because that's my job it's just to put you down constantly i get it i get it i need it sometimes my ego's too big i understand i think that was a heck of an episode there heck of a lead-off episode I don't think you can get much better than that. And I think this is a good sign of yeah, things to come. I had a good time. Not every podcast is going to be armchair GM. We have 
plenty of ideas in the pipeline. Some just straight to beats, some scenarios like this. And yeah, I think we got some entertaining content coming your guys' way. With literally dozens of ideas built up in the pipeline to keep throwing interesting things out at you. I'll end it on this note that beyond just this podcast, there's other podcasts going to be on. Visit the website, basementcloset.productions.com. We'll have content up there daily. We'll have betting. We'll have WWE. Dakota's, I got, I think it's got a food thing coming. We got content coming down the pipeline. It's the start of something good, boys. I'm excited. Handshakes all around. Everyone, thank you for listening.